Welcome to Little Bodies, Mighty Hormones, a podcast that delves deep into the world of pediatric weight management and hormone health. Join me, Dr. Rinku Mera, as I embark on a journey to unravel the mysteries of these tiny bodies with enormous potential. Here, I will guide you through the intricacies of nurturing healthy lifestyles, fostering hormonal balance, and empowering our youngest generation to thrive. So whether you're a concerned parent, a healthcare professional, or simply curious about the wonders of pediatric health, you're in for an enlightening ride. Stay tuned for expert insights, inspiring stories, and actionable advice to help our little ones reach their full potential. Let's embark on this empowering journey together. We have the privilege today of having Dr. Shaw on with us to talk about obesity medication. So thank you for joining. Sure. Dr. Shaw is a board-certified family medicine and obesity physician. She's also a certified weight loss coach, and she is dedicated to preventing and treating and reversing the complications of obesity. So she is joining me today to talk about the obesity medication. And Dr. Shaw also has experience in opening her own practice. She has her own weight loss practice called Weight Sense mm-hmm. Lake. Nona. And she's an obesity medicine practice in Orlando, Florida, and she provides a personalized approach to obesity medication. So we're going to talk about that today. Thank you for having Thank you, Dr. Shaw, for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Yeah, I'm an obesity medicine doctor. My background is in family medicine. And I really started noticing that when my patients were coming to me in the primary care side of things, most of the chronic conditions that they were facing were really like rooted back in weight and lifestyle. And at the end of the day, when we're managing diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, the predecessor to that is weight. And it was really also something that patients really wanted to talk about as well. They really wanted to find out, like, how can we live better? How can we live healthier? How can I not feel so achy? Or how can I get more energy? And it has not actually progressed that I started diving more into obesity medicine, not the lifestyle medicine, the health coaching. And eventually, I just felt this this pull to open up my own practice to really address these. And so what's your approach to care when you see your first patient? So for example, if somebody wants to come see you, what do you emphasize first? And how important do you think lifestyle is in management? I think lifestyle is tremendously important. Lifestyle, it takes care of 75% of our medical conditions and really can be like really can be addressed during these visits. But to caveat, there is there are people who have wonderful lifestyle habits and yet still may struggle with their weight. So when people come in to see me, when they're first coming in, no one really wants to go to an additional doctor. But they're coming in now because they've likely tried several diets, several ways to lose weight. Um, they know that their weight is putting them at risk for uh, future medical conditions. And they're tired of the fad diets and the yo-yo diets. So they're really looking for an expert to calm down the noise and guide them. So my approach really is first just like understanding the patient, where they're coming from, what sort of things have worked for them, haven't worked for them. And really the individualized piece is like, what do they want? Not what I So when I, I speak to my patients, the clients really, I'm trying to find out how they arm themselves with all the lifestyle techniques and met with every sort of lifestyle 
individual and do they really have great habits? And now are they just to the point where they're doing things, but their health is still in danger and now they want to explore medication? Or do they need medicines to help make some of those lifestyle changes they've been trying to make and be more effective as well? So I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's really just taking a patient first approach and leaning in towards where the patient wants to go. Okay. And I wanted to say, Dr. Shaw and I are both obesity medicine certified. So we do follow evidence-based medicine with regards to obesity management. And we know that obesity is a chronic disease. It really starts in childhood for a lot of patients and then progresses through adulthood. And Dr. Shaw, I'm happy to hear that you say that a lot of this is focused, is based on lifestyle. But when someone comes to see you Mm -hmm. and they've tried all these fad diets and they've tried to change their lifestyle, they've tried to increase their exercise and their activity level, and they just haven't had any luck. At what point do you say, okay, now it's time to start medication? By the book, if we're looking at guidance, it's based on BMI, which is not a great indicator of, say, like someone's health, but it's a good screening tool just to know, like, how can we categorize people? I go above the BMI in my clinic by even checking the body fat composition to get, like, further information. So the way I start is, like, gold standard would be thinking, if you have a BMI greater than 27 in a medical condition, we can start discussing medications because now the benefits of medication are going to outweigh the risks of medication. And then BMI greater than 30, absolutely, we can start ta- talking about medications. Being in Florida, especially in Orlando, I do want to put like a little asterisk by the BMI. Many of us, where we have different ethnic backgrounds. So the BMI threshold is actually lower depending on our ethnicity. So I also take that into consideration too. And then if we look even further than that, where body composition comes into place, if we are a lower weight, but say we have more adipose cells, but adipose tissue over muscle mass, and our fat mass is greater, then that also puts us into a category of obesity, where then we would also talk about medications. So it's not only cut and dry, but that's what that first visit is all about. And I spend like an hour plus sometimes getting into the, these little granular details because I want to make sure that what I'm doing is safe for my patient. We'll take that back a step. So you're saying if you are a different ethnicity, for example, if you are Indian or the Southeast Asian, like we are in your BMI category, maybe at a lower yeah. level before yeah. you consider treatment. Absolutely. Is that right? There is more of a risk for diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol to start at lower weight thresholds than, say, someone who isn't Southeast Asian. So there is a difference. Okay. Yeah. So maybe talk us through the medications that you use. Mm-hmm. I know you treat mainly adult patients, but if we're looking at patients 18 and above, what medication do you feel like are beneficial? Official and when. The typical one for the pediatrics that we've used for a long time has been metformin, not really indicated for weight loss mm-hmm. and measurements for weight or the treatment for weight loss in pediatrics has been hit or miss. Sometimes we're using it in patients with diabetes or other conditions, but have you used metformin for weight loss in patients? Well, and what has been your experience? Metformin is a great option for someone who has insulin resistance or prediabetes and we want to try something that has lower risk, side effects are really GI related in it's an accessible medication. I've definitely had experiences where people have had a wonderful response to using metformin. 
I've also recognized that it might just be like a 2% change total body weight loss as well. It's definitely a tool to consider, but again, it's for pre-diabetes insulin resistance and it, it may be beneficial to a person. Okay. Okay. What is your next step that you would use? Do you ever use a Orlistat? Um, not sprinkling. Maybe we could do a side effects profile. So Orlistat prevents like the fat absorption in the gut. And the biggest side effect is like loose, greasy stools. Um, but I can consider it if I feel like it might be beneficial to a patient. I really categorize like the medication discussion based on what I'm picking up during the medical exam. Because weight and the reasons for weight gain are so individualized and it's really like it's based on the person's we can say phenotype. So if they're like consider if they're just like battling hunger all the time and there's and it's like constantly someone's feeling hungry, which can amplify as we lose weight too, because if we're losing weight sometimes the hunger increases just simply due to the fact that a person is like body is trying to get them to eat more and return back to their baseline. So in most cases, a medication like fentramine or it's similar sympathetic mimetic kind of medications can be useful as long as there's no contraindications. It is a controlled substance, so we take that into consideration as well. Yeah, so t- tell us a little bit about fentramine, if you could break it down. So tell us a little bit about how someone takes it. And so this is the medicine that you're saying you would give to somebody if they tell you that they just have a lot of cravings for food. More so hunger, right? like not necessarily cravings, but more, more if they're experiencing a lot of hunger and it's not as easy to manage for them. And it, it is a, it's a medication that's readily available. And as long as there's no cardiovascular disease concerns that I'm worried about where someone couldn't be on a medication that just, like can increase your heart rate, then I would start at, I usually start low and it's one tablet in the morning or have the tablet based on the dosing and watch for a response based on that. Yeah. So how frequently do you change the dose of the medication? And what are some of the side effects that people could experience? Um, thing, I think it's a little outside of the scope for the lives, but I'm more of a go slow and see. I don't start them on the highest dose. And then brute response is just the least amount of medication needed. In terms, second part of your question was side effects. The first insomnia, increased heart racing, anxiety, and I counsel clients on that as well. That if you're someone that's anxious, you may feel anxious. Generally, people, if they tolerate coffee and caffeine well after, after about a couple of days or a week, those effects do wear off. So that's really the, that, that's how I start with it. Okay. Okay. Good. And how about Qsimia? What are so you talking great. about? It's great. It's meant to pyramid, which is the anti-seizure medication that they found also helped with uh, cravings and binging type of behaviors. So for the right patient, that might be also an option and is indicated for long-term use as well. Cost-wise, it can, I believe it's about $100 a month if you're getting it from the manufacturer. My little asterisk on that is if somebody is of reproductive age or could get pregnant, that's where we would hesitate because there are birth defects associated with topiramine. Okay. Okay. And what are the side effects of that one? Uh, primarily what I said with the stimulants and then for the right person, it can be well tolerated. So really with all these medications, when they're, if there is a side effect that we can't manage and we would come off of the medication, we want to always 
consider medications with their risk versus benefits and how tolerable it is. So just because something has a known side effect does not mean the person taking it will experience that. Okay. And again, you mentioned that this is a medication that could be used for a long-term use right. in addition to lifestyle. And really, all medications, okay. including fentanyl, because if we're starting someone on a meditation or a treatment, you don't want to just pull them off when they reached a threshold. The idea is, is that that came to a point where we were using lifestyle interventions and now we're considering medication. And when we prescribe a medication, then we're not going to just pull it back at three months. Sure. Okay, great. And then how about the ones that have gotten the most yeah. press, the GLP-1 receptor agonist? So what is your go-to? What do you think about those medications? That's yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, how they work? There's two GLP-1 agonists that are FDA approved for EPA obesity treatment. Um, the old tried and true to sex and that's a once a day injection medication. And really it's about the first thing is like access to the medication. So is it covered by your healthcare plan and is it accessible? The second thing is like how it works. So these medications work on satiety and fullness. So they help to slow down the digestive tract and it can help provide a fullness signal to the brain. And people start noticing that they're, they're full and there's this fine after eating a meal. So they may not finish the plate fully and they're able to not seek food out for reward purposes because we eat for more reasons than just to fuel us. We may eat for reward and other things. So there's more of a control because they're satisfied after eating the meal and the medications. This is opening up a new, new wave in the obesity treatment era because some, some people are getting like 15% total body weight loss. So I think the other piece where we're talking about weight and weight reduction and obesity medicine. I can't make anybody like snap my fingers and say, oh, yep, you can lose like 50 pounds or 60 pounds. We're, we're talking about a weight loss that's proportional to improve your health. And that might be 2%, 5% total body weight loss, 10% total body weight loss. And maybe 15, we all have blockbuster patients who they'll be on a medication or treatment plan and they it might lose like tons and tons of weight. But for most people, I think the like the goal needs to be realistic. And so that might be between like 5 to 15% total body weight change. And the idea is if we're looking for non-skill victory, like the only thing isn't the scale. Like we want people to feel better. We want them to be able to move. We want them to have their health return, feel better. So although our treatment starts with the number in a medical condition, we are really trying to improve someone's overall well-being. And so the number to do that is very different. Yeah. What are some like non-scale victories that you've had your patient talk about regards to when they're on these medications? What should they say? Not looking at the scale, but... People just start feeling in control. I think I love dealing with weight and lifestyle the most because when people start to notice like 10 pounds come off, 20 pounds come off, they're just more confident. They notice like mobility is better. They feel better. When one piece is put into motion, People like start to do really incredible things in all sorts of areas of their life. Imagine. Yeah. And so what would you tell people who are interested in finding out more about obesity medication? I mean, do you think, is this something when you were seeing patients as a family practice physician, is this something that you would talk to your 
your patients about? Or is this something that patients should uh, talk to their doctor about? Well, actually, you know, we tend to feel empowered to speak about our weight with our primary care or any doctor that's not a healthcare professional. We are in your shield, but I think a lot of people, especially with some of these medications, I think the tide in medicine is changing where we are understanding obesity is its disease and there are more treatment options available than eat less and use more. I think a great place to start is with your doctor and then the Obesity Action Coalition and the Obesity Medicine Association, both websites have directory on their pages for patients to access just to start the conversation about who should they see, what medications are available. I will say that when we want to talk about lifestyle and weight, it's important to schedule appointments just on that. Like sometimes when we go to the doctors, we'll think about addressing five or six things. And that's not really practical in a visit because there's only so much bandwidth and time allotted. Right. And along those lines, when we talk about medication management in addition to lifestyle for patients with excess weight, once they start medication, I know we talked about, you know, a long-term medication, but what's a good expectation for patients to have with regard to what types of results they have? Like you said, it's not a quick fix. We can't make people lose 10% of their body weight overnight, even with some of these medications. So how do you counsel your patients when you tell them, you know, what to expect in addition to talking about the side effects of the medication, what do you tell patients when you say, okay, you're going to come back to see me in one month, two months, three months? What yeah, should we so expect during that time? I start the conversation always by saying, let's set realistic expectations. We're looking for 10% total body weight change, of course, six months on full dose of medication. Because if we're starting in GLP-1, it takes three to four months to get in full dose. So that's then the gold standard for each medication, mm-hmm. we actually look at 5% total body weight loss. So if we add it up, like lifestyle therapies might give us 5 to 7% of total body weight change. And then the medication may give us the other 2 to 10 to 15% total body weight change. And really, at some point, your body will reach a new weight set point. And at that mm-hmm. point, we can see where we're at and see if there's anything else where we can strategize to lose more weight or we really just start recognizing that it's not that any treatments failed, but we've reached their maximum kind of potential. And I think it's very important. So someone who is going through this journey, like I said, just like I can't change your height or your hair color naturally, I may not be able to reduce you down to like a quote-unquote normal BMI, but that's not the goal. The goal is to improve your overall health and total health. Yeah. And sometimes the goal for some patients is, like you said, non-scale victories, but also to improve their, for example, reverse diabetes or help them with their blood pressure control or lower their cholesterol. And do you feel like those are also good goals for patients to have? I think it's always great to get medical conditions under control, and that's how we improve our longevity. Okay, great. Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to me. Is there anything else that you think people should know, and how can they reach you if they want to talk to you more? In defense this medication, I'm going to add that too. I have a whole panel of patients who some simply just still want guided lifestyle advice, and that's where so there is like a big mindset shift that some people want to work with me for too. So I'm here really for the whole, the full spectrum of care. 
I'm in Orlando. Great. Yeah, I'm in Orlando. That's my great. practice is waitbatchsense.com online. And my phone number is 407-753-5036. So I'd be happy to help people along their journey. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And is there anything else that you feel that we should know about you or just about this journey that you help patients mm-hmm. with? No, I just think that as you're watching and you want to work on losing weight and improve your overall health, find an LBC medicine doctor near you, talk to your healthcare providers about this, and don't give up hope. There's so much that we can do to improve our well-being, and it is a tedious journey, and there is no magic formula. Like, we just stay the course, but we're going to succeed, and there's health out there for you. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaw, and thanks to all the listeners who are watching today. We will send a little bit more information about your practice after this. Thank you. Disclaimer. The information provided in this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The content is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it based on information shared on this podcast. The host, guests, and creators of this podcast do not endorse or promote any specific treatment, product, or medical institution. Reliance on any information provided by this podcast is solely at your own risk.